Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Appreciate you coming today. I um, want to apologize to, let me see here, James Tate. James, uh, you sent me this postcard that you made back at camp past uh, summer in Pensacola, and for some reason, I lost it. I was going through my office, and I saw it, and (laughs) uh, I'm going to show this to you folks. This is me. Yep, you do some weird things at camp. For those of you that are listening, it's me wearing this orange Afro wig. So not sure that I want that to go public, but uh, that's me nonetheless. So James, thanks for that reminder of summer camp. And I am sorry that I missed your postcard until just now. Hey, we're in Jeremiah chapter 27 today, brand new chapter. And I just love of the book of Jeremiah, obviously, but uh, I love the way that God chooses to have Jeremiah communicate. You know, so often we learn better when we see things or when we experience things. It's even just in relatively recent years that scientists have discovered that there are multiple ways by which people learn. Typically, we just think about audio-visual, people that listen better by hearing or people by seeing, but there's all kinds of ways by which people learn and assimilate information. And interestingly, here in the book of Jeremiah, God often would have Jeremiah play act or go look at something or do something in a way that is going to cause a lasting impression upon the minds of the people that are listening and watching and viewing what he's doing. So chapter 27 and verse 1 introduces one of those episodes. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, came this word unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, so here's a message. And what we're going to find in the passage is this is a message that transcends uh, the reigns, the reigns of a couple kings, uh, the, all the way back in Jehoiakim's reign, and a little bit later on in the passage, we're going to be all the way to Zedekiah's reign. So the Babylonian captivities of, or invasions, I should say, of Nebuchadnezzar encompassed a series of years, beginning in 605, 597, 586. So for those 20 years. Uh, more or less, 19, 18 years, this uh, was an issue. And Jeremiah preached some recurring messages. Look at verse number two. Thus saith the Lord to me, make thee bonds and yokes and put them upon thy neck. So here's one of those illustrations that God is using in the life of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah, I want you to say something. I want you to preach a message But before you do that, I want you to make a yoke. You know what that is, right? Like a a yoke of oxen. It's the the wood piece that goes over the neck, sometimes under and over the neck, and locks the the oxen into the apparatus, the plow 
or maybe uh, an, another ox uh, with with whom that oxen is plowing to to make it work, to make it go in a certain direction. And so it was a it was a symbol of bondage, of servitude. Uh, so the yoke, the Bible says here, and the bond, maybe a leather strap around the neck. So Jeremiah, I want you to put that around your neck like you're a, a, a servile animal or like you're a slave in that sense. Why? Why would God do that? Why would God have Jeremiah to adopt this sermon illustration? Well, look at verse number three. And send them to the king of Edom and to the king of Moab and to the king of the Ammonites and to the king of Tyrus and to the king of Zidon. So these are the neighboring countries around Judah, all of which were smaller countries like Judah was. Certainly none of them were world powers like an Egypt or like a Babylon or like Assyria had been or like Medo-Persia would be. So these are smaller nations. And and many times in the mindset of a smaller nation, its only hope is to ally itself with other smaller nations. So somehow a coalition will be stronger than any one nation. And that, that happened throughout the Bible. I think about uh, when Joshua came into the promised land and Jabin, uh, the king of Hatsur, gathered with him about 31 city-states and one big coalition against Joshua. Or I think about the Gibeonites. Remember the five kings of the south that attacked the Gibeonites and Joshua came and attacked them? So it wasn't uncommon. You can go all the way back to Abraham's day, remember, and and Lot and, and those kings. So coalitions and alliances were very, very common. And that's what's happening here. So apparently what's happened in this passage is these nations are represented by emissaries that have come to visit the king uh, to form this alliance against the encroaching Babylon that's seeking to stamp out all of them. And Jeremiah is supposed to say something to those nations really by saying something to those emissaries, those ambassadors. And what he's supposed to do is go in with these yokes on his neck, these bonds on his neck, because there's going to be a message that's going to be a lot more poignant if they see what Jeremiah has on. So got all that? Look at verse number four. And the Bible says, uh, and command them to say unto their masters. So when you speak to these representatives from all these different nations, remember the nations again, um, Moab and the Ammonites and the king of Tyre that's up in, in Lebanon, the king of Zidon, the Zidonians, by the hand of the messengers which came to Jerusalem unto Zedekiah, king of Judah, and command them. So now we're in the reign of Zedekiah. So this is way back. This is like in the, the latter years of Judah's demise. And command them to say unto their masters. So Jeremiah, with these yokes on your neck, I want you to go to these ambassadors and tell them to go back to their king. Tell them to go back to their leadership and give this message. Okay, what message? Well, look at verse number four. Command them to say unto their masters, thus saith the Lord uh, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. In other words, the real general, the real Lord of the army. 
Thus shall you say unto your masters, I, so God is speaking, I have made the earth, the man, and the beast that are upon the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm, and I've given it unto whom it seemed meet unto me, suitable or appropriate. So what is the message that Jeremiah tells with this yoke around his neck as an illustration that he tells these ambassadors who are there to ally themselves together to build strength? Well, what message should they go back and tell their kings? Well, Jeremiah says, you go back and tell them that my God said that he's in charge, that my God said that he is the creator, that my God is the one that made man, he made beasts, he has the prerogative, the right to tell people what to do, where to do it, how to do it. Our God is in control. And so give them this message. Matter of fact, the message is in first person. God is doing the speaking. I am God. I made all things. I can do whatever I want. I can raise up whomever I want. Look at verse number five. I'm sorry, verse number six. And now have I given all these lands, what lands? Well, the lands we just talked about, the Ammonites, the Moabites, uh, the king of Tyre, the Zidonians, all these people that were there to try to protect their lands, all the people that were there to form an alliance so that their lands would not be invaded. Now God says, I'm the one in control. And tell your kings that all of your politicking and all of your human alliances are but nothing because I am the one that sets up and I am the one that puts down. And what you really ought to be doing is not trying to seek an alliance with each other, but you really ought to be seeking me. You really ought to be trusting me. You really ought to be seeing me as your hope and your strength. Verse number six, now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and the beasts of the field have I given him also to serve him. So what, what does God say? God says, now I'm in charge and I'm even in charge of the person I'm going to put in charge of you. So you're, you're here to defend yourselves against Babylon, to ally yourselves against Babylon. But I want you to know that not only are you my servants, but Babylon is my servant, as typified by that yoke around Jeremiah's neck. And I have given him the right, the prerogative, the ability to take over these lands. And your lands that you're trying to protect will not be protectable. No, you will fall to Babylon. And I have given this power to Nebuchadnezzar and the beast, the land and what's in the land, the beast of the field. I am God and everyone serves me. Now, isn't it interesting that they were afraid of what they perceived to be the largest power on earth, the strongest and most vicious power on earth. And what God was saying is even the strongest power to you is but a servant to me. How much better for us to understand that the real need in any tragedy, the real need in any fearful situation is to turn to God because ultimately he is the one who's in control. Verse number seven will be the last verse I'll read. And all nations, God says about Nebuchadnezzar, shall serve him and his son and his son's son. 
until the very time of his land come. And then many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of him. So interesting, God predicts the the defeat of these nations by Babylon, by Nebuchadnezzar, and then says, but even Nebuchadnezzar is on the time clock. Yeah, the hourglass has already been turned over on his life. And he will have children and his children will have children. But really, in very short order, the kingdom of Babylon will be no more. And they will not be the world ruler. But instead, they will be servants just like you are going to be servants. So I'm in control not only of what is, but of when is, of the what and the when, of the the trouble and the time. God's in charge of all of it. It's interesting because as you study world history or read the book of Daniel, you'll find out that that, that's exactly what happened. Nebuchadnezzar ruled and, and that was the height of Babylon and the hanging gardens of Babylon, the wonder of the world and all that. It, it reached its apex under, uh, under Nebuchadnezzar. But his grandson, Belshazzar, we all know what happened, the writing on the wall and the defeat by the Medo-Persians exactly as God predicted it would happen. God's in control. Well, we'll stop there in verse number seven. We'll jump into a brand new verse tomorrow, verse number eight. And I love this chapter. You're going you're gonna to love how this unfolds. Hope you'll join us. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.